Is there a proper way to make, shake or stir a cocktail? After years of epic dinner parties, long lunches and boozy brunches, we bring you Shaken and Stirred. Or rather, we are Shaken and Stirred. Welcome to Shaken and Stirred. I'm Nigel Barker and my co-host is Tom Astor. And this is where we have conversations where basically anything's possible. We like to shake things up, stir them up. Nothing is taboo. And today, I've got a very, very cool guest. This is a guy I met several years ago. He's a biochemist. He's an alchemist. He's an international explorer. His name is Alex Ott. Alex How'd you do? How are you, buddy? Hello. Hello, Nigel. Hello, I'm Tom. Uh, I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you for seeing me again. I, I, you know what? Such a long time. I, I was no slightly scared to. to see you again, to be honest. You are such an extraordinary kind of character, but the things that you do and the things that you come up with are mind-blowing. And I think my mind has been so blown since the last time I've seen you that it took about, I don't know, five years to call you back again. Yeah, last time it was just about cocktails, I believe, uh, on top of a beautiful yacht doing fashion shows and serving you guys the best of the best I had to offer back then. And it has evolved uh, a little bit. So now we're full-blown scientists making full-blown elixirs to help people all across the world. Mad scientists. And when we talk science, you came and when you first arrived today, you know, you were saying hello, and as you were saying hello, you pulled out what looked like a toolkit, and you started to unwrap it. And if you can imagine a torturer's toolkit that you've seen in the James Bond movie when they're about to pull your fingernails off and twist your nipples and do all kinds of other terrifying things, or well, perhaps twist your nipples isn't one of them. But anyway, um, in my Bond it is. Uh, you know, you pulled out this kit, and I'm like, what is that? You know, and, and it, it looks like it has all kinds of strange and wonderful things in it that, that are slightly terrifying. I mean, you've taken it to a whole other level, <laughs> Alex. He was kind of getting excited. Terrifying. It's actually quite enchanting, not terrifying. And enchanting. I don't know why you keep referring to it as a torture kit. This is so, sort of like a pencil uh, roll with uh, you because know, people pull teeth out with in this it, one. And it has certain utensils. It has some dropper bottles. It has some centrifuge. So tell bottles. us what's in here. <laughs> so uh, from the left, we have uh, obviously some utensils, a tiny little spoon. We have a pipette and we have a, a tweezer. Uh, then we have a vial that is filled with a flower extract that comes from the Amazon, uh, used uh, for medicinal purposes to cure anything from malaria, cancer, HIV. Just something uh, like that. Simple just stuff. Simple stuff, uh, really. Um, but I can't shout too loud, otherwise I get exiled today. Um, then we have flowers uh, from the Amazon that are called the electric daisies. Uh, the flower is called Acmela, and for the last 15, 20 years uh, it has been very popular not only in my laboratory but all across the world for its versatile applications anything from cosmetics to wrinkle be gone in minutes so all of this is in this um, kit all of this in this kit and then you have a uh, a cylinder that kind of looks like a cigar <laughs> vial out of stainless steel that um, we use for astronauts to sort of like the go pack for intergalactic space travel. So wait a um, second here. We're talking about in this one little kit. So I, and my mistake, it's not a torture kit, by the way. It's an intergalactic space kit that also has the cure for just about every illness known to man. It's on and off the planet. Right? And it's, it's all wrapped into this little kit. So you can excuse me when I sort of describe him as the sorcerer of shaken and stirred, because I'm not the only one. New York Times said the same thing. We are very happy to have you here. But I, like I said before, slightly scared. 
Very you should scared. be, because I'm putting you back on a school bench today. Okay. Um, so let's start from the beginning. I want to know when you first were inspired to to really create drinks, create elixirs. Create, you know, when, when were your senses alerted to the fact that you had something special? <clears throat> kind of stems from my childhood when my parents dragged me to Africa when I was five. I uh, uh, grew up in four different schools. I was homeschooled most of the time as well. That allowed me to skip a couple of grades. Uh, and uh, I was surrounded by animals, anything from African lions, hyenas, uh, and also the night sky. So my father, who was an architect and a jazz musician, he, uh, every night we had this traditional walk, be it with a dog or not or without. And he taught me about celestial navigation, botany, plants, herbs. Uh, and we traveled around a lot. But uh, that's when I sort of created a knack for flavor, scent, uh, and how they work in an evolutionary way through neurobiology from 200,000 years ago uh, in our how brain. How old were you at this point? Um, I was five years old. Uh, okay, sorry. By the way, fathers out there, you're all losers, including my dad, because he didn't teach me. Like, I was luckily if I was playing with blocks at this point. So See, carry on. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, like, I was very mad at my parents for dragging me around so much because I was the only white kid in school uh, when I was little. And then, you know, right now I kind of sort of felt the entire uh, thing coming down on me where we Think lived in a country. You would have been unusual at any school, Alex. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Nigel. Um, we're going to talk after this, by the way. Um, and uh, uh, he would drag me around and I would make friends and uh, uh, I would learn how to cook from very young age. Uh, watch my grandmother cook, watch my mother cook so I can literally make nine out of ten dishes from my childhood that are you know, a couple hundred year old recipes too uh, on the tea. Um, and that's what I kind of want to teach everybody out here nowadays to sort of teach their children about nutrition, teach their children about what they eat because we are what we eat. The soul that you have is entirely what you smelled and ate and consumed all of your life. And the scent molecules are stored with such vividness in your brain. It's like a big USB stick up there. So I can evoke memories um, if I know where you're from. If you, you know, fill out 10 questions for me, I can make an event much more personalized. Uh, to create edible soap bubbles that have a fog inside that you can inhale or eat that has your childhood sense in it. Uh, and we do this for big events. We, you know, fill the room with knee-high fogs. But to come back to the childhood Take thing, me back to childhood. Yeah, we've, to, we've gone off on like, a... I'm like, <laughs> that's what happens. You got to keep me in check. Well, it's, you know, it's all these flowers and things um, you're eating and chewing on. Exactly. You know, tripling lifespans. It's not easy. Um, so, um, so wait a second. It's already sounding like an extraordinary movie, and and, and this is probably the beginning of the the, mo the Alex Ott experience movie, which is <laughs> going to be coming out very very soon, starring probably Brad Pitt, um, you know, with an old style haircut. You like that? Brad Pitt would work yeah, for yeah. you. Well, I, I, I Iceman too. Iceman. You know, yeah, like yeah, Val ish I, yeah. could, You know, because it's already um, you're, there. You are at five years old, learning about you know all kinds of biochemistry from your parents and nutrition, and as you're being dragged through Africa. You know, they're, they're sort of setting the scene. Yeah, it sounds really magical. But uh, think of it as a more little kid who has to change schools, languages, and friends every five years. Uh, that was a little difficult. Now, thank you very much, Dad. Thank you very much, Mom, for doing that to me. Um, languages, obviously, too. But uh, celestial navigation, astronomy, um, where we come from, and then obviously talking to a lot of science communicators uh, during my lifetime uh, has enabled me to gain an immense amount of information, not only from books, but just on hand, you know, ODing on flower extracts, ODing on spices, uh, being dead a few times, and surviving some crazy accidents that literally led me here. So let's talk uh, about today. that for a second. 
you had in 1998 a very very horrific experience am i not wrong you were in a plane crash in thailand where over 100 people now, died <laughs> uh, yeah 101 souls uh passed away what well, happened? one of 45 lucky ones um uh, I mean, pi- no one era. survives this sort of I, thing really I, 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 <clears throat> when i lived in thailand i was in uh in Bangkok, I uh, was doing consulting already for beverage menus at uh, a place called Q-Bar. And it was mostly, you know, flaring bottles, throwing up in the air. And back in the day, it was not really about functionality in my life when it comes to drinks. It was more about fancy things, watching the movie Cocktail, Tom, you know, Tom Cruise, Tom and, Cruise and Golden Globe nominated. And I'm kind of funny because I live two blocks away from that original bar they filmed it in. Uh, you know, so it's, I always wanted to come to Manhattan because I had a poster near my bed when I was little. And now I have that view from my living room. So it's very surreal. But I, uh, I, I was a storyboard artist before. Uh, I went to Parsons School of Design very early. I was an exchange student here in this country when I was 15. Four years in Chicago, went to the state finals and played basketball. It was phenomenal. And then all of a sudden I uh, moved to Thailand for a job and uh, uh, survived a, a plane crash uh, on landing. So, uh, What did that feel like at the time to you? <laughs> I'm not going to cry today, Nigel. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, you know, <laughs> I'm just very curious because I, I read about you, I hear about you, I see your focus. It's the most horrible experience you can ever think of. I can only imagine. And uh, it's there's nothing cool about it. There's nothing exciting about it. And normally, I really shut up about it. But um, for people to already be afraid of being high up in the air, I was always afraid of heights. But I wanted to become an astronaut, which is kind of strange. You know, being strapped on a rocket, now working with astronauts. Um, has always been a, a thing. I want, uh, Did it give you a focus? It gave me an extra sense, actually. Uh, you know, like how Egyptian people said there should be 360 senses instead of just six. Uh, uh, that's, you know, kind of very true because I knew really nothing about neuroscience and perfumery, uh, although I had studied nutritional biochem and molecular biology uh, and got my degree in that when I was 19, so it was very early at that part. Uh, where I delved into the science and math and, you know, all these molecules. And then I said, like, okay, it's a little complicated. All I want to do is sort of go to New York and see what I can, you know, start doing there. So I got into the modeling industry when I moved to New York. was with Wilhelmina for a while. But they told me I looked like an actor, so I didn't get any jobs besides a few Hugo Boss runway shows. <laughs> and uh, after that, I... Uh, found a, a restaurant. All the best people get their in, breaks in the modeling industry, by the way. Exactly. Wink, wink, nudge, It's nudge. kind of difficult being here, too. You looking at me, staring at me, and, you know, like evaluating my looks. Judging you. So, yeah, it's kind judging, of, yeah, yeah, it's kind of I don't judge anymore. My judging days are over. <laughs> Good, say. fine. So, let my hair down. Um, I, uh, Shake I, it out. I, I opened up a restaurant called Sushi Samba. It was a big chain now that they sold. Uh, the ones in New York. And 99 on Park Avenue, that was when we first started infusing drinks with essential oils via the muddle stick. So we kind of invented. So what is a muddle stick? Muddle stick is just a wooden stick, kind of like a mini baseball that you use to extract essential oils from fruits and herbs and uh, literally the hydrophobic liquid, the essence of a plant into a cocktail. Because cocktails or elixirs, as I call them now, they're nothing else but edible fragrances. 
So you use the essential oils first, and then you add the alcohol later, and then you shake it up and mix it, and what comes out is what you see in front of you, you know. A pestle and mortar. Uh, like you can use that. I mean, literally, that's a very important tool nowadays to levigate herbs or teas. I mean, nowadays, you don't have to even brew teas anymore. You can levigate them to fine powder where you can just pour cold water on top, drink it, and you get 85% more nutrition from that than if you were brewing it. But does it, is it, does it really taste the same? I mean, come on, we're English. When it, comes it tastes to tea, much better. When it comes to tea, we're very specific. Oh, let's not talk about the whole milk thing, okay? Um, but yeah. Come on, let's talk about the milk <laughs> thing. Oh, I no, want to no, talk no, about no, the milk no, thing. Sorry. We're talking about the milk thing. See, like, you can put milk and lemon into your tea. Are you doing this too? I don't do both. I just do milk. All right. You know why you don't do both? Why? Because it, crack, it kind of like yes. you know, falls out. Soya milk. Yeah. It's so, good. I do soy milk these days. Yeah, we're talking about whole milk. You know, we're talking about the whole... No, but I always grew up. My mother always told me not to drink orange juice with my cereal in the morning because it would, you know, separate in my stomach and I'd get a stomachache. Interesting. Um, Is that true or not? No. Uh, Goodness but, me. <laughs> but see? some people can't mix... I told mix, you. My mother too can't now mix giving me bad advice. product with milk and citrus together because it curdles. Uh, and I, you know, it's a, there's an easy way to not make it curdle to add an emulsifier, which is just a drop of honey. And it, it no, doesn't have, curdle anymore. That's interesting. I have and at the same time, when you drink tea, it stains your teeth. So in order for it not to happen, you need you know some citric ascorbic acid from the lemon mm. to sort of clean your teeth while you drink tea. So if you still want to have milk and tea together, you can add a little honey and add a little bit of lemon that's how juice. I drink my tea anyway with a bit of honey. You know, it even gets more refreshing. But um, to come back to the whole... Oh. Botany thing, so, so that, that place uh, was the second biggest one I've opened. I uh, opened up Sushi Summer uh, Sushi in 99 on Park Ave. But three years prior, I did Buddha Bar in Paris with Raymond Rizon. And that must have been an amazing experience because Buddha Bar ex- kind of exploded after that. Yes, they were in New York too, and that's how I met astronauts. And that's how I got into the whole Space Food Systems lab. So how did you meet astronauts at Buddha Bar in um, New York? Well, they were, explain this. They what kind of <laughs> evening was this? Why was I not invited to this party? I happened to be there, and I'm glad I did. Otherwise, uh, I probably wouldn't have had so much luck with uh, the space program. But like, I uh, uh, met Mark Scott Kelly, the identical twins. Not anymore. They vary now in uh, genetic splicing. Because we like the identical Scott, twins on this Scott's show. been up there. Yeah. I know you do. <laughs> Scott's been up there for over a year and his DNA changed by 6%. So he's, they're not really identical anymore because of gamma radiation. So even if we made it to Mars, we can only be in space for 18 months before we start dying. Wow. Uh, um, so that's one of these, these facts. And uh, along with them was, uh, I think, Lisa Novak, uh, a female astronaut. And they had my drinks uh, while I was training bartenders at Bar. And one waitress walked over to me, and even before she could finish the sentence, Alex, there are three astronauts at the table. I was already there introducing myself. Uh, And uh, and Mark gave me his mission pin, his lapel pin. Amazing. I was hooked, and they told me, and they looked at me, and they're like, can you do this without alcohol? Can you do this as a flavor? Because we're blown away. And I was like, yes, please. So they hooked me up with the Space Food Systems Lab, and then I talked to them, and then they said, oh, wait a minute. Your technology is not compatible with ours. Because... They just buy things from a supermarket and repackage it, and that's all they do. You know. Uh, so, what is a drink for deep space travel? Um, well, most of the people drink water um, or recycled urine, <laughs> if you want to. That sounds uh, really great. Because they have a huge machine that's the size of a closet that literally recycles your urine to drinking water, and that's what they drink up there. But they have an option of drinking orange juice and cranberry and lemonade. But none of these things are very 
palatable because uh, they're very unhealthy because they have a ton of salt and preservatives and sugars. This is why space uh, travel is not doing particularly so, well right now, exactly. by the way. So, so you were asked by the astronauts. I mean, would you be in a capsule for six months just drinking things that you can... You so know. these guys said to you, no, we so don't want to So these guys said to me, it needs to be a little more personal mm. because you have... How much from, more personal can it get than drinking your own urine? <laughs> That's about as personal as it gets, my friend. Well, if you don't have a deli to stuff for like water bottles, More you know, you have to do something, and it's a brilliant thing, you know. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, uh, the people said, like, okay, can you come up with some simple flavoring? It's kind of like you know, flavoring fragrances or nutraceutical supplements. But I took it a step further and says, like, let's do something that that I call sensorial nutrition. Sensorial, sensorial nutrition. nutrition is uh, basically. Thinking about evolution, we know how to run away from smoke and fire because it means danger. We know that by just being born because it's already in our mom's brain. It's already in our brain. Uh, but if you tell me where you grew up, let's say you grew up in Japan and you are used to red bean and green tea, matcha, you know, those flavors. It probably trigger a certain happening that happened to you like probably, I don't know, 30 years ago, whatever, if you were a child. Uh, you have that here in America with peanut butter and jelly because before an average high school kid finishes high school in the U.S., they kill about 4,600 PB&J sandwiches. And if you're English, it would be a bit of crumpet. Or, or, or Vegemite, you know. <laughs> no, that's Australian. Marmite. Marmite. Well, you get, Please, you've you got to get it right. The queen on the money, you're all British. <laughs> so like, anyway. Ooh, you're not going to make yourself very popular in Australia. No, so I'm just like joking. I lived there for five years too. Um, Until he was deported. That's another story. <laughs> For another show. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I uh, uh, interviewed each person to see, like, you can evoke memories, you know, from a Japanese person by feeding them PB&J elixirs. So uh, you have to know where people come from to make it personal. Everybody what happens, has a different can I ask you a question? Every, what happens if you do feed a Japanese person peanut butter and jelly? Well, they probably like it, but they won't have anything spectacular happening to them when it comes to evoking memories. So what you're saying is you give someone a drink which has an elixir in it that literally provokes the peanut butter and jelly, for example, for an American, or the black bean if it's for a Japanese person, or, for, or whatever. And I understand you, the more specific you can get, the more you know the person, the more you can really sort of refine what might, I guess, get that reaction out of them because you're going back to their childhood yeah. point or some moment, right? Some moment. Yeah, in I'm talking life. about good reactions. Like I mean, music in a way where correct. if you hear a song. Vibration is very important too. Uh, but when it comes to the your body, everybody is different. We can't expect everybody to react the same way if we have certain substances. Uh, let's say you're microdosing certain ingredients. You know, the other person has a higher threshold and he's like, oh, I don't even feel anything. Uh, uh, but the brain nukes universally on neuropeptides that when you smell something like lavender and it's equally with Japanese people or American people uh, together is that you produce neurotransmitters that make you feel a certain way. Like if I give you lavender or chamomile, you produce serotonin, it relaxes you. If I give you patchouli or rosemary, that's when you produce noradrenaline. That's what wakes you up and makes you more focused. So if you have an employee or if you have more multiple employees in your factory, it's very cool to see how they react and how much better co they concentrate if you actually put ultrasound diffusers in that room with essential oil that give out rosemary. Have you, have you, done, have you done these experiments? Yeah, we've done all these sensorial immersions, we call them, they're called the Alex Art Experience. Uh, they were done by, you know, MasterCard, Citibank, all their private clients and whatnot. So 
you come into this room, you have edible fog up to your knees. You know? oh. So what and does then, it do to you, though, that when, you, when you get this? So you, you, it provokes this nostalgic memory. Yes. And then what does that create? Just the fact it makes you relaxed or just makes you remember Whatever something? you want to feel like, and that's the key of why we're sort of here today, is like how to make the correct way to serve anything to anybody when it comes to fine fragrance, to elixirs, or anything you put in your body has a specific purpose. So you talked you know? about how, for example, you'll create something for a specific event. You mentioned these big corporate um, clients of yours. So am I correct in sort of thinking that if you were going to go to a gala event for a big charity organization, <laughs> you would be able to create something for them that would be specific for that crowd? And what would that reaction be? Correct. Um, I work with a couple of big charities. Um, I want to do a shout out, if I may. Please. Scott Harrison. Uh, he has a project water. Yeah, it's called Charity Water. Charity he's water. a fan of Charity Water. He just published a new book too called Thirst. Uh, but uh, he's one of my sort of idols when it comes to changing the world. And he used to hire me to make elixirs that make people spend more money on silent auctions. Um, so you have stimulants in certain drinks that like honey, amazing. ginger, anise that work not only on the olfactory way. But Isn't that just champagne or rosé? Because oh, no. that's all about. That's all it takes my wife at a gala to put her hand up. The sort of you know, it doesn't seem to take much more than that, quite frankly. Women are a little different. That's why you have to do surveys. Uh, and for the last twenty years, I've been concentrating on who likes what around the world, cultural and the biological context. So when we think back to our childhood, we have a limited palate. Now that we grow older, uh, we're like a microcomputer that has gazillions of flavors connected to a specific memory or, or sight or photograph or, or smell or a piece of clothing, your ex-girlfriend, you know, yeah. whoever. So I use this knowledge to make events. The smaller they are, the more intimate you can do and this. Are you pumping, are you um, pumping fragrance in, into the room? Yes, yes. I'm, I have usually five different stations set up uh, in functionality. So why do you drink in the first place? Uh, everything I do is without spirits, mainly, unless someone really wants to have an event where you're like, oh, let's, you know. <laughs> Tom doesn't need know, much reason for a drink. So I do a lot of events in, in the Emirates or in India where people don't consume alcohol publicly and, uh, you know, uh, and they work just as well as when we do it here. But certain spirits have been invented for specific purposes. Uh, tequila is great for cardiovascular health, one ounce a day, for instance. You know, a gin was invented for female complaints, PMS cure. Uh, 1650 by a Dutch doctor called Dr. Silvius, you know, and it was mixed with some weird powder in India against malaria. It was called guanine or tonic water. And then the lime on the tonic uh, and, and gin, gin was cheaper than beer. And to kind of mask the bitterness of the guanine, it would mix London dries with the tonic to create a more pleasant flavor, and then the lime on it was against scurvy. So the entire drink, gin and tonic, was medication. It was a medical. And, you know, and so. that's exactly why I have one every night. Exactly. Because I'm terrified of scurvy and malaria. Because Nigel is a girl. Deepest Woodstock. <laughs> uh, so, yes, this whole... I'm in touch with my feminine side, if that's what you mean. And I'm not afraid to say it. Uh -huh. I am a feminist, people. This whole, you know, specifics for each spirit, let's say bourbon, you know, chills you out and has over 200 methanols in it that, you know, come from the wood and the alcohol interaction together. If you know that about spirits, you can even infuse them into certain elixirs to emphasize their actual functionality. And you can make them edible cosmeceuticals. We can make them stimulants. We can make them to interact with other human beings. Again, since we're digitally oversaturated, you have this tequila-based drink that has ginger, anise, and honey, and it not only works by scent, and smell, but the actual ingredients in there we use 
as four different functionalities to prevent hangovers. So can we, let's talk about a couple of drinks here. We have some rather remarkable drinks, and I've got them on the table. One's called Serenity, and it's a sort of red, deep red, clear liquid. One's called the Mind Opener, which kind of looks like a green juice. One's called Biodigital Jazz, which looks like a cocktail we had yesterday. Um, <laughs> and um, there's one I'm holding in my hand, which I want really to want to know what this is. The Fountain. And I know you've created something called The Fountain of Youth. And I see Tom has been eyeing this one up and he's been trying to steal it. But of course, it has my name on it. Um, the Fountain of Youth. The Fountain of Youth uh, was developed about 20 years ago. And it's one of my best sellers still at events. Um, it is, uh, if you look at it under... Light, it is pearlescent. If you put out your cell phone or a flashlight and you throw it against, it literally looks like this nail polish effect, uh, a pearlescence, a little galaxy effect. Here you go. Yeah, See? look at that. Yeah. So you have that. Like, like when you see effervescence in the ocean. Yeah. See Amazing, that? extraordinary looking. So the Fountain of Youth. So the, yeah, the Fountain of Youth is a gin-based elixir that uh, we use as an edible cosmeceutical. So it sort of works from within. Uh, and you're drinking a warm w version of that because normally you have to shake it up or put it into the fridge. Let me try some. Uh, it is gin-based uh, with a mild medley of bitters like a splash of pims. Uh, fresh cucumber, white cranberry, and fresh lime. And uh, mm. these combinations uh, work really well within the body to get the body neutralized. pH 7.5 like our bloodstream. It gets waste products out of your cells. Even if you pour it over the skin, it's good for you. So, um, so how long have you been making this particular cocktail? Probably for? 20 years now. Is, is, this is an elixir, not a cocktail? It's an elixir because it's d developed, obviously, for specific functionality. But the ones that you look at, which are four or five in front of you, they're all designed as a hangover preventative elixir. So you can drink these without alcohol. They also work. White cranberry juice, obviously used for urinary tract infections or anything uh, kidney-related. doesn't have to be red. Uh, because the white is a little more sweeter, less bitter um, than the bitters in there as well. The gin itself, uh, very, very healthy because uh, it was invented against female complaints. And uh, it is a, let's say, spa beverage that you can have, you know. Then you have all these compounds from the juices, from the spices, from these herbs that have uh, a phytochemical nutritional meaning, meaning it will boost your glutathione level. And in order for us to talk about drinking, I so think... So what is a glutathione? Glutathione you is your body's biggest antioxidant, yes. So when you, let's say you... Let's, let's talk about a hangover. Let's talk, because we know let's we don't about, really get Before hangovers. I explain these, people would need to know, uh, you know that they're all designed with one thing in mind, is you can have 20 or 30 of these without feeling bad the next day. 20 or 30? So, yes. Tom, that's about your average. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and, you know, listen, our, our solution to really <laughs> dealing with a hangover is, is about, is normally to sort of start drinking again. Yeah, people have misconceptions. Yeah, well, starting again isn't, is not the, uh, the answer is to get a, get a batch of this. He gets, he gets a hangover when he starts to sober up, which is so, it's much easier, therefore, just Well, the hangover remain. is a disease, first of all. It has a name, Quite. the medicinal it's name. It's not dehydration. Medicinal is nothing to do with dehydration. The, the medicinal name of the hangover is called Vestalgia with a V. Uh, and I developed a product 20 years ago that was designed as an immunotherapy nutraceutical supplement that happened to prevent hangovers. So we marketed this as a hangover prevention um, because it would boost certain things in your body to get the acid aldehyde, which is that byproduct that you need out of your system before you go to sleep, out of your system before it can even get you a hangover. So when you metabolize alcohol, 
beer, wine, spirits, anything. Your body breaks this down into two components mainly. Ethanol, the fun stuff. Start dancing, you get laid, you give out your phone numbers, you know, things like that. Don't drink uh, ethanol by itself, people. Uh, then ethanol has proven to be a cognitive improvement. We did clinical studies, 5,000 people in one room, 5,000 people in another. Can I ask you a quick question in the middle of this? Because it yeah. just suddenly came to mind. When you go to the gas station and you're pumping you know, gas into your car, it says there's no ethanol in it. Why? Are you upset about this? I am. I think <laughs> my car deserves it. <laughs> what does I love my car. Sorry. I'm just sort of side note. Um, that's a that's a, something you should ask about. Uh, uh, I think there's a, something happening in the in the. the it has something to do with knocking agents, you know. But I don't want to go into the whole oil industry right now. We're talking about hangovers. Let's go back so, to hangovers. So don't branch out yet, Nigel. Mm. Um, so when you drink, your body metabolizes it into the ethanol that is, can actually be healthy at one ounce a day. Obviously, big metropolitan cities and you guys, um, you don't just keep it to one ounce. Well, you know, I think like an elephant, if you shoot an if you give an elephant an Advil, you know, an ibuprofen, it's not going to work, is it? You have to give them sort of like half a gallon of ibuprofen. All, yeah, exactly. The same it's, way with alcohol, when you're sort of 300 pounds like Tom, um, or, you know, 185 like me in my dreams. Um, you know, you need a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it, the other substance, and now it gets scary, um, that you metabolize is acid aldehyde. It's also the main carcinogen in cigarettes. So you drink and your body produces something that's 30 times worse than the ethanol that you just drank and metabolized. Uh, and that goes through your system. That acid aldehyde goes through your system, depletes you of every nutrient, vitamin, and mineral you have in your body and gives you two different conditions. One of them is when you fall asleep and you sort of waste it. You know, everybody is probably not everybody, but most people have experienced that. You sleep like a baby for only four hours. And then your body wakes you up magically, and you don't know why. Aria, yeah. You go like, why in the heck am I awake? Now? Either that or your snoring wakes me up. So that's called the glutamine rebound. So you your body produces twice as much glutamine in order to you know, wake you up and say like, hey, you're dying. <laughs> yeah. So then the second disease sets in. It's called Vesalgia. It's uh, a disease that is probably one of the worst because it is very close to you being depleted of everything that you know, your body can work with in order to keep you alive. And uh, that acid aldehyde, can only be uh, sort of get out of your body before you go to sleep. So once you have the hangover, uh, it's too late already. So there's no hangover cure. There's nothing you can do in order to get rid of this whole thing. The alcoholic dawn, uh, I think so it's called, isn't it? It's 18 hours it takes for your body to recover itself. Um, but you can prevent it like a sunburn. So what we're doing is SPF for drinking. So wow. all these elixirs automatically contain high contents of sulfur, amino acid compounds, B1, and acetylcysteine, milk thistle, all this, you know, amazing thing that nature has to offer us to literally get the acid aldehyde out of your system before it can give you the hangover mm -hmm. or the what's called the salja, the depression, the nausea, you know, the vomiting. So that's when I kind of branched out and I said, let's instead of working in one way to make a cocktail, because most bartenders or the so-called mixologists out there, and this is not a no, you don't like the word mixologist, do you? The, the word mixologist comes from the music industry. Grandmaster Flash, he was a mixologist. I like Grandmaster okay? Flash. I saw him at like live back in the day when he was spinning on Friday night. He called himself mixologist. But then there was this term that bartenders sort of invented, and I was at some point called mixologist too, but uh, uh, it's sort of a wrong term in this industry because you have the salesperson that stands behind the bar that sells you chemicals and poison. 
because he's the last legal drug dealer on the planet. And you sort of go up to him as a customer and you, you know, trust these people for you to serve them uh, something. But in, in reality, it should be the other way around. They should tell you what to drink. Bartenders must love you, um, by the way. Bartenders hate me. Well, they're not going to love you after I mean, saying like, that. Especially after that article you talked about like uh, a few years ago that uh, actually Gary Regan was the only one that defended me without having even met me. But uh, thank you for that, Gary. Um, he uh, literally got the point that I was bringing across that he says the average bartender has no biochemical background experience. Mm. You know, they're salespeople that should never be allowed to make up a drink menu because they experiment with herbs and spices and toxins mm. on your body. So they're not going to be the ones that ask you, are you guys on any benzos? Because I'm about to give you a big dose of grapefruit. You so know? What I love yeah. what's happening so, here is that there's this conversation of, you know, people go to a bar to get high, to loosen up, to have a, something tasty, to have fun, numb their nerves, numb their, their mind, numb whatever it is. And the bartender's there to help make that happen. And you just called them the last legal sort of drug dealer out there. And, you know, and, and, I, and I hear you and I get it. I understand where you're coming from. And you're someone who's trained as a biochemist. You're like an alchemist. You create all these extraordinary things. You, you're reaching deeper. Is it possible, though, I mean, realistically, that bartenders – because we all love to go to the bar. I mean, it's what most people, it's the sort of highlight of their day. I mean, you know, they wake up and it's a sort of ticking time bomb until they're going to the bar. And then the yeah. bar is really the last moment they can remember before they go to the bed. Yeah. So the bartender has a, you know, can be a very powerful person in that person's life. Um, it can become a, a friend, you know. Is it realistic to imagine that they would, could, could learn from you or that they, could, they should be trained differently? Or what, what are you suggesting? They're starting to. Um, as, as, as we said, after I sort of, jumped into the spotlight and after I published my first book, uh, it was all people wanted to meet me and actually talk to me because they would have prejudice and say, oh, this guy, or he just walked in and he thinks he's something better or put himself on a pedestal. It's not like that. It's two different professions. I'm a biochemist. They are salespeople. Uh, so the salespeople should never be allowed to produce the product that they're selling because um, you need at least 20 years of knowledge in order to do what I do right now when it comes to uh, educating yourself about plant extracts, molecules, and chemical processes in your body. So everybody's different. Everybody's on different meds. Everybody has so different what should they lifestyles. Do? Um, listen to me, <laughs> pretty much. But I, uh, we've done over 300 beverage menus around the world uh, and a lot of award show stuff. But uh, what's really important for me is that I help people. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about anything. All these ingredients that I use, you can find in every spice store and, and, and Indian spice market. And it's nothing extraordinary. It's actually 80% more inexpensive than it is if you were using all these high fructose corn syrups that are artificially flavored and you believe all this pay-to-pay -pay thing. But the extraordinary thing the is basically your 20, 20 years of, of, of knowledge and putting it all together and then adapting adapting these, these ingredients to, to, to help people effectively be I, healthier. I get right? under their skin by not being an MD or, you know, I'm being someone that has a vast amount of knowledge and nutritional uh, experience when it comes to what we put in our body and how we can heal and prevent diseases. So I, we do this for kids. We do this for grown-ups. We do it with or without alcohol. But we use four different functionalities to go into one drink. Mm. And bartenders just use one. They use flavor. But they experiment with your health because I've saved so many lives by carrying my EpiPen with me right. in these underground so-called pharm pharmaceutical cocktail bars where people you know, wear this uh, lab coat and they pretend they know about chemistry. Mm. 
And in real life, they might have 10 or 12 sprigs of rosemary or thyme in your drink and give you anaphylaxis. Right. So this is what they don't know. And yes, as a bartender, it's a very complicated job. It's a very heavy job. I've done it most of my life. Uh, you become a psychiatrist. You get to know everybody. You know, you get to know the deepest secrets. And f foremost, you get to know how people react. So I found out how you can manipulate and stimulate people on a very healthy level for large groups from two to 2,000 to 200,000 people uh, by just simply serving them a drink that is designed in four functions, the olfactory, the flavor, then why am I drinking this, and then the hangover prevention. So you have a drink that you can enjoy with other people, making eye contact without pulling out your cell phone and texting or whatnot. We're bringing back the human element back into drinking where you look into each other's eyes, have fun without being digitally oversaturated as sort of like a remote-controlled zombie out there. So how long have people like you existed? Because, you know, when well, I... Well, how, how, how many people like you are there? Well, well the thing is, I'm, I'm curious yeah. because, well, are you the only one? Because they, they, I have traveled the world myself and I've come from, my mother comes from Sri Lanka and I've, you know, you, when I'm in Sri Lanka, I go to places where they are producing this wonderful cinnamon um, that is, Ceylon is famous for. Hmm. And, and various countries have, you know, whether it's, you go to Tahiti and it's the vanilla or certain things that certain places are, are known for making certain um, chemicals or certain uh, plant products. There is a history, though, that goes back thousands of years, for example. Hundreds and thousands of years. And, and so they've known about what these, you know, the, the effects. And, and yeah, the you can do something that friends of mine are doing now uh, called the Gene Radar Till Anita Goel. She's an MD. She works for NASA. Uh, she developed a device that literally combines your genes with the, let's say, the adaptogenic herbs and spices that are out there to prevent illnesses, to even help with, uh, you know, mental health, to help with uh, transplants and whatnot. I mean, it's phenomenal when you go molecular. And uh, to have that knowledge, you need to obviously study these things. But to infuse that into a, a world where people that want to be entertained and feel good to meet other people, you know, you can do anything from aphrodisiacs, mental health, like a benzo in a glass, an upper uh, cognitive improvement if you still have to work. You know, you can apply this as a travel elixir, whatnot. But people should be able to choose their own moods when they go somewhere. Because nobody's in the same mood when they come to an event. You know, you just had a fight with your wife or you had to find parking for two hours. You're stressed out. You need to come down first. He's a mind reader as well. Anxiolytics. Before you can like engage the crowd. And my events look a little different because you can see that everybody's in the same good mood. Nobody's eating. Because once digestion gets involved, people are standing in a bathroom line and then the whole thing gets interrupted. These drinks here, they're more nutritional than the actual food that we spice them with, you know? So, and that's something to think about because you could live on a liquid diet like this for the rest of your life. But and the I've thing heard is of, like- I've heard of people who have, who have had cancer and things like this who have sworn by raw um, vegetable juice diets and things like Enzyme that. Enzyme therapies, green juices, red juices in the morning at night, like anything from mortal herbs, Chinese, Tibetan. Uh, those are things that haven't really reached the Western world quite yet as popularity, but they're widely available if uh, people just Google the wrong things every day. Uh, just in, within 100 years, we tripled our lifespan. Like around turn of the century, life expectancy was 32, and now it's like 93, you know? So that's just medicine alone. Now we go backwards because we buy packaged products in a supermarket, 300,000 that are all designed by four companies only. The Fountain so, of Youth, how long can that make me live for? Um, 
this will get your body back to pH neutral, sort of, because uh, that's what your body needs in order to function properly. It's kind of like chlorophyll, same thing. We can literally exchange the chlorophyll, the green and the leaf, and put it into our bloodstream. It would, you know, literally transport oxygen like hemoglobin did. Um, but this will, uh, you can drink as many as you want to, not only women, but uh, something phenomenal happens when you give this to women because it uh, puts them in a better mood. You know, and uh, I know how long have you been I, I, waiting I know what for my that. wife's getting. Uh, and it's, you know, only 350 years old, this recipe, but uh, only you have everything. So when you come there and you read a big post award that has a one-line description of what this elixir will make you feel like, you don't have to go up to a full bar and say like, oh, what do you have today? Mm. Because you already, A, lost the bartender, mm. then you create stress. And you're asking someone that really doesn't know about chemistry or, you know, what they should be drinking. So uh, the person that makes up a menu should not you know is the person that makes up the menu and then you have the salespeople there bartender most important person in the world so yes i love you all out there you're doing an amazing job but please stay away from experimenting with herbs and spices that's you your know job about that's my job really uh, to quadruple revenues and save you 80 percent in spirits costs literally so you are well, just um, someone who can basically create wonder drinks. You are, <laughs> which, quite frankly, I'm looking at drinks in front of me, which apparently are going to make my wife younger, happier, and sexier. Um, I'm not sure that's just the way I'm going to see her when I have this drink because it's going to affect my mind completely. Um, but you also, talking about sexy, have appeared in Sex in the City. Oh, goodness. More yeah. Than, more than once. Yeah, I think like two or three times. Uh, two or uh, three, because quite frankly, first, first I, I season, can't even remember yeah, how many times. Blip. It was seconds. I mean, like I was a bartender at Sushi Samba, uh, and they came in with an actor that was supposed to play the bartender, and then they sort of looked at me, and they're like, why don't we just take the real deal? You know, mm. at least he knows how to make drinks. So uh, that's how it kind of started, and then it was filmed again at uh, you know the Park Avenue location after that, and then I think I believed I had a line too, but... This is always what people kind of remember me for, but nothing all about like, oh, he changed my life or he got me off mm. of chemo or, you know, like. He, so uh, how does that work then? Going into um, something more serious, because absolutely the frivolous stuff like Sex in the City yeah. is fun, but we all enjoy a bit of fun in the, our life. I mean, come on. You fun is great. And this country is specifically more fun because it's so huge and, you know. Uh, there's so much things going on. Uh, so you mentioned getting people off chemo. I mean, that's obviously a slightly sounds slightly scary because, but is it? You know, people obviously suffer a lot through chemo, and I have members of my own family who are currently going through chemo. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, and I have had members of my family who have died of cancer. So I, have, I very much understand what you're talking about. But how, in what capacity do you help, or can you help? Well, uh, when it comes to certain cancers, and not all cancers, I must you know underline. Uh, my family, too, uh, recently, we have cured one cancer. We're working on the other right now. It was kidney, then it was lung. Uh, and at a person at a certain, certain age, um, there's a limit to what doctors even know. Uh, and if you have studied what I've studied, and if you know so much about extracts and have done clinical studies, I'm not just saying that out loud and say like, oh, I've, you know, I've heard that this works against this. Um, you have to know at the individual person, so you have to spend time with them. Uh, at least for an hour, two hours to ask him not only about medical histories, but like how he reacts to certain things. Scent is a very important factor to autism, you know, scent therapies, Alzheimer's. But when it comes to cancer, uh, people at a certain age don't react to chemo or radiation anymore. Like, let's say my dad is 80. You know, after two days of being on chemo, he went to multiple organ failure because it's pure poison, what you put in your body, and it destroys your immune system, which is down here. 
So probiotics is something that I specialize in a lot. And you don't need to take them every day. And this is a total myth, and you don't store them in the fridge either. But uh, you can do certain enzyme therapies for vegetables. Uh, energy, too, uh, from ginseng to kola nut to uh, uh, green and, and red juices. And you just like said in the morning, kale, spinach, aloe, Your immune grape. system is in your gut. It's in your gut because everybody has a different microbiome, right. you know. And in this country specifically, there's a high risk of... Uh, because the big, you know, companies out there sadly don't really want to change, uh, and it's a very highly political thing that I don't want to get into. Yeah, here. you must be very, very unpopular. Um, I am, but I'm not at the same time because the people that I did help, uh, specifically kids too, to get them off of Ritalin or Vivens or Adderall, to put them on phyto gummy bears. You know, yeah. I'm not a practitioner. I can't like tell people to do what to. You know, do you uh, get a lot of do you get a lot of stick from the from the pharmaceutical companies, or are you are you are you not dangerous enough? At, well, everything that? I do is FDA approved. Right. First of all, uh, and uh, in order for me to create a product, you have to have very good lawyers. You have to have very good you know marketing teams and whatnot. I did a beverage called Mercy. That was a couple of decades ago. That was hugely phenomenally fantastic and. Uh, Sadly, the people who ran it kind of sort of ran into the ground, but I kind of revamped this whole thing. But uh, to get back to the whole uh, substitutional thing, uh, vibration is a big factor. Uh, an average MD in the United States in their eight years of med school, they have about 46 minutes of nutritional training. Wow. So uh, that's something to think about. Which is shocking, isn't uh, it? It's very shocking, and they have 30 seconds to diagnose you on average. Mm. So I take two hours with someone that kind of needs my help. And it's a personal consultation. After 20 years So I'm d I don't charge for things. I don't sell things. I you literally know, change people's lives by getting them hooked on certain elixirs or cocktails during an event that also can be used medicinally. You know, I had a very interesting well, experience well. in Thailand um, where I went to a, a massage therapist. Actually, I was thinking I was just going to have a massage. I was at this rather splendid hotel. And um, they were like, they organized this ma massage for me. But I went in and bef before the massage, there was going to be a 45-minute consultation with a doctor, apparently. And I went in and there was a very lovely lady sitting on the floor, cross-legged. And I sat in front of her and I thought, well, this is weird. I mean, what, what part of the massage is this? Just she's going to ask me what kind of massage I like. And she went and asked me all kinds of questions, asked me about how I slept and you know the the, the the kind of person I was, my personality, how I reacted to situations, and it was very extraordinary. And, it, and she, then she looked at me at the end of it. She said, "Do you like hot, spicy food?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I love hot, spicy food." Now, I mean, let, let's face it: I'm in Thailand. The average traveler who goes to Thailand probably likes hot, spicy food. So it's not a sort of extraordinary question, but nonetheless, I was like, "Yes, I do." And she was like, "Well, that's your problem. Yeah. You actually need to eat less spicy food." And she's like, your wife, who you've been describing, I'll tell you right now, she does not like spicy food, does she? And I looked at her, struck, absolutely flabbergasted, because my wife can't stand spicy food. She likes the blandest, most simple food you can imagine with no flavor, like white rice, tofu, very simple things. And she's like, well, that is why your wife as well is very calm and very much more relaxed. And you are fiery and explosive and... And it was this sexy. very extraordinary thing. <laughs> and a little sexy, of course. You had a little bit of that in there too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It speaks to what you're saying. It does speak to what, uh, what, what I'm saying because you can also – I work with so many scientists, Nobel laureate, uh, uh, and, and doctors from NYU, uh, uh, people who specialize in certain things. But I also once in a while meet shamans from Peru, some really famous people. Uh, you know, not only the whole DMT or, you know, psychotropic uh, movement that 
actually is super illegal in this country, but shouldn't be because you can cure illnesses in a minute by just going through a certain microdosing of a, a certain substance. But I'm sure it'll come because people get a little more health conscious now. So uh, that has a lot to do with who you are, uh, what you eat. Uh, uh, that's your soul. Uh, so to capture this, it's really like you tell me what you ate and smelled and drank all your life, and I can tell you what sort of problems you would have medicinally too. I mean, you can fight against genetics, um, but there's certain things that run in the family. Uh, but then there's certain things that you have to find out for yourself how your body reacts. When we talk about enzyme therapy, let's say, uh, just for simple immune boosting or for, for energy, we give this to chemo patients to get more energy too. It's ginseng-based. It has like red beet in it. It has uh, berries in it because they're antiviral. And this is uh, the serenity. Like, this is, no, this is it. It's just I'm looking at the colors here. But like that's what we do on a non-alcoholic basis also for children to get you know, to get them to do their ADCK vitamins from like kale, parsley, aloe, grape, pineapple, banana. Kind of you get three pounds of veggies in a tiny bottle, mm. uh, but it tastes like candy to them, mm. you know. So that's what we do in order to make it more appealing. And then, uh, you know, for uh, the the afternoon, the energy drink, then uh, it's like red beet and it's ginger and apple. And it's uh, there's a lot of things that you're not allowed to mix, you know, red and green-wise. Uh, but in there are certain exceptions. So in the morning you have the green juice and then in the afternoon when your brain sort of like comes down and you need more energy, you have that ginseng-based drink. Uh, and most of the products, including adaptogens that you use for to climb K2 without oxygen, they're all ginseng-based. You know, people would give soldiers a tiny ginseng pill called Yunnan Bayao when they get shot and it prevented them from dying for at least a couple hours, you know. So I work with these people that I've never met before. So it's kind of like me being Luke Skywalker there being Yoda, you know, and I still learn a lot each day. I don't have all the answers, but I so far we work anything from soldiers and plane crash you know, survivors to get them off of benzos to put them on high, you know, anxiolytic teas like chamomile, damiana, passionflower, cover, cover, organic medicine, very concentrated yeah. dropper bottles, and we get them off of ten pills to put them on these tiny little droppers that work mm. just as well without the organ failure, addiction, or paranoia, or anxiety, or amnesia. Even. Mm. Alex, where can people? experience the Alex Ott experience um, you can put down you can put it together yourself if you want to uh, as I said I do it for small groups I could do it for big groups um, and sometimes I'm how do they connect publicly. with you how do they find Instagram you? they find me you can see a lot of cool pictures uh, Instagram is called Alex Ott science or one word uh, small caps and uh, that's when you can send me a message and you can describe your project for me or if you want to come to visit the lab you can have an appointment uh, and we come there and then I can make you 12 13 different things that will blow your mind from levitating herbs that make you feel like you're flying that we use for like anybody from Jimmy Chin on Everest climbers and wow. who, whatnot uh, to like people who are uh, want to enhance themselves uh, psychotropics uh, included on the west coast you know same with THC CBD products uh, and then here on the East Coast, more levitating herbs, uh, immortal herbs, and adapt adaptogens. So if you have a specific yeah. lifestyle, I can literally tune your body into it to make you more energetic, to uh, change your neuroplasticity just by ingesting a few gummies or a beverage that you know I show you how to make yourself. Right. Or you can literally just you know get ingredients any way you want to, and I'll give you the recipe for it. I'm not that kind of guy who says this is all secret, but 
Uh, I have planned on bringing out a few SKUs of, of these beverages uh, on the market very soon. We look forward to that um, very much. I've got to say, it's not like Tom or me need any more excuses to have a drink. Certainly the fact now that we know that there can be misidinal yeah. uh, is something which I think is probably going to give you. us every excuse. Good for us. Every excuse. Good for us, Tom. That's why you us. and I Good are going to live us. forever. Both shaken and stirred. Alex Ott, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank really you. I really appreciate it, Alex. Thing.